0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Oakland Coliseum in, well, Oakland. It's the Indians 3, the Oakland A's 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I got to say, for a 3-2 game, this is a pretty good baseball game right here. Uh, You had a lot of stuff going on. You had pitchers and jams. You had... Uh, hitters coming through in the clutch There was a lot of stuff going on For a 3-2 baseball game Didn't get to watch a ton of this Got to go to a wedding last night So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're back to going to weddings It's We're back to the real world That vaccinated world um, And sorry this episode is coming up a little late today I ended up uh, taking Frankly, I took the dog for a long walk this morning uh, It was sunny, it was beautiful outside And he wanted to just keep walking So uh, that's why we're going up a little bit late today. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. And we got Cal Quantrill on the mound for the Indians. And that's my lead story here. Uh, Quantrill goes five innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and five strikeouts on 85 pitches. Only gives up five hard hit balls. And uh, opposing him was Frankie Montas, who went six innings. Montas gave up six hits, two earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts on 94 pitches. However, he was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, And I got to actually listen to a little bit of the Oakland uh, broadcast of this game because I was in the car for a while driving around doing the wedding stuff. And uh, they just happened to be on the MLB network. Uh, giving the Oakland broadcast. So it's always interesting when you get a chance to listen to other broadcasters, to listen to the other broadcast team, how they talk about the Indians a little bit. You know what hitters in the lineup did they fear? Uh, you know how did they feel their hitters should be doing against your pitcher? It's always a little bit interesting. And uh, they made it seem like Frankie Montas is definitely an important part of that Oakland rotation, a real workhorse. Kind of pitcher. I mean, we don't see these guys too often, right? So we don't we don't learn who these guys are. Um Montas has been pitching out there. Uh he started actually with the White Sox. Um pitched 2015 with the White Sox and then he's been in Oakland since 2017. And uh been a starter, pretty consistent starter for them since 2019. And yeah, uh, in 2019, he was 9-2 with a 2 ERA and 16 starts for them. So probably someone that they're really counting on to be a big part of the rotation. And the Indians were able to do some damage against him. Now, absolutely, did they struggle against that split-finger pitch from Montas? Absolutely. And we'll get into that in the player breakdown a little bit. But Quantrill, like I said, he's our lead story here. And it was a pretty darn good day for Quantrill, especially especially because he had to escape two incredibly tough jams. Let's start it off in the first inning. Things are going smooth until Matt Olson comes up, and he smacks a double up the gap in right center field, goes all the way to the wall, and uh, he's standing at second with two outs. Brings up the cleanup hitter, Mitch Moreland, who homered yesterday against us. Moreland, they moved the lineup around a little bit today from Friday night's game, and uh, Moreland delivers with a double down the right field line, 108.7 mile per hour exit velocity, brings in Olsen easily to score, alright, so Quantrill's in it now, I mean, you start the game off with ground out strikeout, you probably think you're going to cruise through the first inning, and then back to back doubles from their 3-4 hitters, and you got to bear down. And he does, and he gets Ramon Lariano, who was hitting leadoff yesterday. Um, gets him to strike out to end that threat. Let's see how he attacked uh Lariano in this at bat. Uh hit him with a mostly hard stuff, uh forcing fastball. He misses with high, comes back and pounds the inside with two sinkers that he fouls off, throws a slider down into the dirt, probably getting him to chase, and then comes back and paints. And the sinker on the outside edge paints it for a called strike three to get out of it. So that's big. Gets out of his first jam. So a few more guys get on base here and there, but it really takes us up to the fifth inning. And the fifth inning is where things get crazy. After a single and two hit by pitches uh, to guys at you know the bottom of the line. This is turning the lineup over. This is 8-9-1 turning over the lineup. Elvis Andrews comes up now with the bases loaded. Elvis Andrews, the Indians, you know, nemesis, the guy who just pounds the Indians pitching for his entire career. We just talked about it yesterday. He ends up smoking one. I mean, you, you got to give him. Okay. He smoked 103 mile per hour exit velocity, 440 expected batting average, except this was right at Jose Ramirez, right at him. And he is able to fire home quickly. They get the force out at home. And then Hedges turns, fires the first, gets the force out there. Double play to get out of it. That is freaking huge. Absolutely freaking huge to get a double play, a home to first double play with the bases loaded. I mean, you talk about really being up against the ropes. You talk about really, really being in a bad situation. Bases loaded, nobody out, and Quantrill is able to deliver the ground ball. Let's see what pitch he threw him. Let's go to the at-bat and uh, see what pitch Quantrill used to get that, f- you know, the first ground ball, the first double play, because he does load the bases up here in a second again. So he starts him off with a sinker in that he fouled off, and then a slider actually came high and tight with a slider and gets him to ground in double play. I I would not have expected that. I would have guessed the sinker, but I would have been wrong. So yeah, it's the slider that gets the double play. So, the next batter is Matt Olsen, and uh, smartly, with a base open, he walks Matt Olson on five pitches. Pretty clear here that they are pitching around Matt Olsen. Um, the one that was a called strike was ooh, barely even in the strike zone. Uh, that was a basically a, hey, if you want to wail at any of these pitches, I'm going to throw everything outside. Not going to give you a chance. So they load the bases up again, create a force again at every position, and then it's Mitch Moreland's time, and he attacks them high and outside. Misses with a sinker wide, throws another sinker on the outside edge at the letters that he fouls off, forcing fastball high, and throws him a slider high. Man, using the slider up high, uh, you, you are asking for some trouble there sometimes. That is going to get hit out eventually. Luckily, it's only goes 369 feet, dead center field, right to Bradley Zimmer. Only had an expecting betage, betting average of 230. And uh, going over to the illustrator, he did not throw any other sliders that high. He did attack in the strike zone with some sliders, but uh, that is the highest slider he threw on the day. So he gets out of it. He ends up loading the bases twice in that fifth inning and gets out of it both times. And that would be his day. You know they call it five and fly. I wouldn't say this is five and fly. This was this was work for five innings and set the Indians up for a chance at victory. And that's where the win stat becomes important here. You know, Quantrill gets his second win of the season, and it's reflective of the effort that he put into that game yesterday. He not only did he put his team in a position to win, not only did he limit Oakland to one run over five innings, but he held the lead. The Indians had just taken the lead in that fifth inning, and let's get into that fifth inning for the Indians because it would be the first time that they would get on the scoreboard. It starts with a Bradley Zimmer strikeout, but then Austin Hedges singles and Daniel Johnson walks to put runners on first and second. Flips things over to the top of the lineup for Cesar Hernandez, and Cesar Hernandez would hit a big fly off the uh, off the high wall there in right field. The dimensions in Oakland are pretty strange. There are some high and low spots all over that outfield wall. And Cesar Hernandez happened to hit one of those high spots. If this is in Cleveland, 375 to right field, is this this might have been a home run? This might have hit high off the wall. This might have been a home run in Cleveland. Anyways, it goes for a double. Austin hedges chugs around. I mean, he has to hold because you gotta see. If the right fielder for them, who tracked all the way back to the wall, who's out there in right field for them these days? Brown was out there. You got to see, he looked like he might have a line on it. It looked like he might have a leap for it. And if that's the situation here, you can't get doubled up or anything like that. So you got to hesitate and see if he's going to come down with it. And as soon as the ball ricochets off the wall, Hedges is off to the races. And I swear to God, Hedges is all of us out there. Hedges. That's exactly how all of us would look rounding third and coming home. He had this look on his face where he's like, "I'm running fast, guys. Right? I, I'm running. It feels like I'm running fast. Do I look like I'm running fast? No, no, you don't. Um, we've all been Austin Hedges at times where you you're just running as hard as you can. You know it's not very fast, but you're giving it everything you got. So he comes in, scores. It makes runners on second and third. And then Ahmed Rosario is able to deliver a sack fly to center field. Honest to God, I I can't tell you how happy it makes me to, you know, to report a sack fly to you. There's just been so many times where we've had runners on third and we've just stranded them there. You've seen strikeouts and things like that. So the fact that Ahmed Rosario is able to deliver the sack fly, bring the run home, it's huge. That's that's a huge at-bat. Anytime you're driving in a run, that is a huge at-bat. That's why, man, I am I am dogging on all the statisticians today. The people that, you know, don't think RBIs are important, just like the people that don't think wins are important anymore. RBIs are important. Can you get the job done? If I put you in a situation with runners on scoring position, I don't care. That doesn't affect his OPS. Actually, it doesn't go as an at-bat. Sackfly doesn't go in as at bat. So. Yeah, it doesn't increase his OPS, though. It doesn't increase his slugging or his on-base percentage or his expected weighted on-base percentage. But what it does is it gives the Indians the lead. And that is huge. So sometimes those counting stats, RBIs, hits, all those things, runs scored, sometimes those are reflective of a guy's effort. So great job by Ahmed Rosario there. And so, that the Indians take the lead 2-1, to and Quantrill is able to hold it. And that's why he deserves the win. All right, other storylines on the day. Actually, let me finish Quantrill. Let me go over the player breakdown here, and let's just talk a little bit about his pitch mix. So we went with a ton of sinkers. 48 of his 85 pitches were sinkers, 56%. Then sliders, a few forcing fastballs, a few changeups, and a few curveballs. Now he was finally able to get Some swing and miss on his sinker. It's only four whiffs on 18 swings, but he was able to get nine called strikes on it. Uh, For the slider, it's 10 swings and three whiffs. They did not whiff on any other of his pitches. They were fouled, they did foul off nine of those sinkers though. So if you combine that with the four whiffs, It's not looking so bad. They only put five sinkers in play with an average exit velocity of 69 miles per hour. That's the average. The max was only 89.2. They did not hit one sinker over 90 miles per hour. Now, if you go back to his last start against Kansas City, remember, he, he really laid off the sinker in that start. He only threw it 16 times, got no swing and miss on that one. Uh, The average exit velocity that day was 94. Remember, he was trying the four-seam fastball against Kansas City. And now 15 swings, there were zero whiffs on that four-seam fastball. And uh, we said that's probably a pitch he may not want to rely on, and he clearly didn't here. He only threw it nine times. Uh, Got three swings, no whiffs, two called strikes on it. So, yeah, he definitely changed his approach here, went back to the sinker. He's never going to be a high whiff guy, but limiting the contact, limiting the exit velocity like that, averaging 69 on the sinker, that is that is good. I'll take that. If you're going to be a contact guy, I will take that. The 15 foul balls, an average exit velocity of 87.1 total on the day. So yeah, it's only a 24% CSW, a tick higher than his last start against the Royals, which was 23% CSW. So... I think Quantrill is proving he's not going to be a swing and miss kind of pitcher. But he was able to get him when it counted. He was able to get some strikeouts. Let's see if I can get into the illustrator here and see what pitches he was able to use for those six strikeouts. And it looks like it was all sinker slider here. Um, was it six, five or six strikeouts? It was five strikeouts on the day. And he's got one slider that was a way to Mitch Moreland. He's got another slider that he challenged Tony Kemp with, and then he's got a bunch of sinkers on the right edge of the plate, pounding the right edge of the plate with those sinkers. Uh, let's see. One called strike here to Elvis Andrews. One called strike here to Ramon Laureano. That was the one in the first. And another called strike to Matt Chapman. So three called strikes, four strikeouts on that sinker. That's pretty good. That's pretty good from Quantrill. It is It doesn't go as a quality start as far as baseball is concerned because that's six innings, three runs or less. But I got to say it was a pretty quality outing from Cal Quantrill. All right, digging into the rest of the bullpen here, Sandlin, Brian Shaw, Emmanuel Classe, and James Karinchek. I would say the big four for the Indians out of the bullpen, and they were pretty freaking good. Sandlin does give up a hit, but two big strikeouts in his inning, and he looked pretty dominant. Uh, He actually locks a lefty up with a fastball. Challenged him in with a fastball. Let's go to these matchups here for Sandlin. And uh, I thought these strikeouts were really impressive. He gets Lariano on an inside slider. Challenges him in with a slider that he swings through. And then uh, three batters later, Tony Kemp's up. And just challenges him with the hard stuff right down the middle. That hard sinker at 93.6. Uh, frankly, that's a pitch Kemp should be hitting. I mean, it is right down the middle. And uh, for a side arming righty to come in and attack a lefty hitter like that, uh, it's pretty gutsy from Sandlin and pretty impressive that he's able to come in on Kemp and get him to strike out like that. Now, you know, Kemp is no Babe Ruth, but I mean, come on, he's still, it's still a left handed hitter that he's challenging there. With the hard stuff. And you don't see that from the right-handed side armors too often. Alright, moving on with the rest of the bullpen here. Brian Shaw goes a clean inning in the 7th with a strikeout. Class A gets redemption. Class A gets redemption in the 8th inning. And uh, it was interesting because we talked yesterday about maybe Karinczak should have been facing the heart of the lineup and not Class A. Maybe Karashek should have been in the ninth, not Classe. And so today, he flips it, and who does Classe get? He gets the heart of the lineup again. He gets Matt Olsen, Mitch Moreland, and Ramon Laureano, 3-4-5. Now, it wasn't the same 3-4-5 as yesterday, but with Jed Lowry not there, but he gets Olsen a fly out, and then he strikes out Moreland and strikes out L'Oreano. And for Classe, that's big because he is not a huge strikeout guy. So for him to really challenge those guys, how does he get – I think it was all on cutters. I think it was all on cutters off the plate to the right from the catcher's view. So throwing across the plate for Classe. And that is big. Two big swinging strikes to end the at-bat against Mitch Moreland after being down 2-1 and in the count. And then against Ramon Laureano, again it's a cutter away that he gets him to swing at, that he gets him to chase. That one was on a full count, and he chases that cutter outside of the zone. So class a keeping that cutter to the right edge of the plate from that catcher's view is big. Is big. It's two big strikeouts to get out of it. And then check gets into some trouble. check man, something about the ninth inning with those Oakland Athletics. Luckily, he had a two-run lead, right? He's up 3-1 to one in this one. Walks Chapman to start the inning. check will do that. That's a very Check thing to do. Gives up a single to Seth Brown. Jed Lowry would fly out. And then Sean Murphy would hit a sack fly deep, deep to uh, right field. Uh, but Mercado had no trouble with it. There were a few balls, few fly balls yesterday that I think the Oakland fans thought the Oakland hitters got more of than they really did. Um, so, yeah. So, the sack fly would bring in the run from third. Uh, a single off of Karencheck would keep the inning going. But then Elvis Andrews would ground out to uh, Ahmed Rosario, who would make a fantastic throw across his body and nab Elvis Andrews to end the game. So Karencheck is able to get the save. And that's exactly what that stat is for. It may not have been pretty. It may not have been great, but he got out of it. He walked away from it with the save. And that's what a save is all about. You just got to walk away with your team with the win. So, uh, yeah, it was a really great job by the Indians' bullpen, by the Indians' pitching overall on the day. It was just a really fantastic job limiting those Oakland Athletics hitters. So, uh, final storylines on the day, just some individual accomplishments, right? From Neil Reyes, we didn't even talk about this yet, the big home run to give the Indians that lead. Uh, he absolutely destroyed a baseball to the suites in center field in the Oakland Coliseum. And if you happen to be listening on the radio, uh, there are, there are suites above the center field wall that are a good, probably 30, 40 feet in the air. I mean, really high up there. And, uh, he puts this one. Let me go to the actual at bat, because I'd love to know what pitch he was thrown here. Not only did he hit the sweets, he put it in the open window of the suite, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, he starts him off uh, Wendelkin. JB Wendelkin is in for Oakland in this at-bat. And he starts him off with a slider inside that he fouls off and then gives him a forcing fastball in the exact same location, the exact same location. And I don't know if Wendel Ken thought his fastball and slider, which do have a 10 mile per hour difference, is good enough to get past a home run hitter like Firmio Reyes. But he was wrong. He learned a very quick lesson that even that 10 mile per hour difference on your pitches is not going to stop a Firmio Reyes. And it, you know, Reyes, we don't see him turn too much on these inside pitches, and uh, usually he pulls these. Usually it's those outside pitches that he's able to reach that he pokes out to the opposite field. This one was shading just right of center, and uh, it was an inside pitch that he just stayed on and drove. Absolutely destroyed. 109.2 mile per hour exit velocity. 437 feet to dead center field. So great at bat from Fermil Reyes. On the defensive side of the ball, Rosario had a great day. Not only did he backhand that ball and throw across his body uh, to nab Elvis Andrews to end the game, he also had one earlier where he charged in and barehanded one and fired to first. So two great defensive stops from Ahmed Rosario. And hey, while we're talking about offensive stops, we got to give some love to uh, Tony Kemp over there for the Athletics who was playing second base who also had two great stops, diving to his right, sliding to his right, firing back across the diamond to nab two Indians hitters. So both, uh, both Rosario and Tony Kemp were flashing the leather yesterday. And then I got to give some credit to Austin Hedges and Daniel Johnson, who are eight and nine hitters yesterday. And they are the only two Indians players to be on base twice yesterday. Now, it didn't always result in a run, but they did score twice. But the fact that your eight and nine hitters are setting your top of your lineup up to score. In the top of the lineup, everybody did it a little different. Everybody had a hit. Uh, in the the top four hitters in the lineup, all had hits. And uh, there were a couple of RBIs there. Three of them were able to get RBIs. Jose Ramirez, unfortunately, hit the shot off of Daniel Johnson's foot which he gets credit for a single, but Daniel Johnson makes the out, which actually ended the inning. So, they're both able to score twice. Uh, three RBIs from the from the top of the line. Well, for me, was a solo home run. So, Ahmed Rosario and Cesar Hernandez both get RBIs out of it. That's big. That is huge. If your eight and nine hitters are on base four times combined, setting things up for the top of your order, that is a recipe for success. So, Hedges and Johnson, uh, great job out of you guys from the bottom of the lineup. MVP for the day, I'm going with Cal Quantrill. I'm going. It was only five innings, but it was a really good, solid five innings from Quantrill. Really, really inducing some weak contact here. Like I said, only five hard-hit balls on 85 pitches. He's not a strikeout machine, but he does get five strikeouts. So it's a pretty good day for Quantrill. And it makes him 2-2 two and two on the season. So another win under his belt. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, it was a pretty simple, straightforward game, but a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff going on in some of those innings there. Uh, we've got the finale today at 4 o'clock. It's Plesak going against Bassett. And you know what the Indians have done? They have set themselves up for a chance to win the series. And that's what we got to focus on right now, especially in this really tough stretch of the schedule, Can we just win? We don't have to worry about the whole road trip. We don't have to worry about the rest of the month. Just this series. Can you go out and win this series in Oakland? So we've got arguably our most accomplished, our best starting pitcher on the mound that's left in the rotation on the mound today. Can he deliver? This is big for police. Can he deliver this win? Can he deliver this series win? I mean, if Plesak wants to be an ace one day, and you know Plesak wants to be an ace one day of a staff, you got to deliver some series wins here. So this is a big start for him, and uh, it'll be fun to watch today. So there you go. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash ClevelandBaseballMornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.